0: Internet Explorer is a podcast that contains adult themes like the fear that every time you stick your finger into your belly button, the older and older you get, it will never go back down to its normal size and eventually your whole stomach will just be a belly button. And that's Ugh. what growing up feels like. That's the fear of getting older for me.
1: Yeah. So just, you know, there, there might be swear words. That's, that's mainly <laughs> what we're <you're> saying. <laughs> Hello! Welcome to Hello. 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 Um <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Internet Explorer. Hi Ryan. I'm Katie.
0: Hi
1: Katie. <laughs> this is Ryan. His name's Ryan Broderick. I'm Katie Ryan. This Hi, I'm is a Ryan. podcast. It's called Hi, Internet Katie. Explorer. You know, we talk about stuff, about the net. Yeah. Ryan, how are you today?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm excited for this week's episode. We're gonna be talking about a piece done by our colleague Katie J M Baker on BuzzFeed, and the TLDR of it is an unsolved crime becomes this weird meme and role playing thing in a small town in Mississippi, and it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. How are you doing, Katie? Are I'm good. I'm feeling
1: this? really excited about this. This is gonna be fun because we often don't talk about like real life shit that's happening in the world, and this is actually. I mean, it's right. a totally fascinating case and it's a fascinating what has happened on the internet surrounding it this weird facebook group dedicated to trying to solve this real life murder you would never know about this until someone like katie jam baker comes in and tells you about it and i don't know those things i I just i love and i think it's so cool and i'm so excited but it's pretty dark this is intense the internet can be bad I think we know that every single episode we do this, but we wanted to think uh, the internet can be good, right? The internet like makes all of our lives totally amazing and better constantly. So we went out. We sent Julia. We didn't go out. My God, no! Oh God, we didn't go out.
0: No No
2: way.
1: Julia Furlong, uh, our producer, went out uh, onto the streets here in New York and asked people, uh, "What is the greatest way that the internet has changed your life?"
2: Sometimes it makes you feel like a kid because you are not um, embarrassed to ask questions the way you might be like other humans, so you can just ask Google whatever question you want. Specifically, I would say I can see about a million pictures of cats jumping on things, falling into rivers. Um, I'm having a mid-twenties life crisis. I just went on meetup.com to try to find a soccer group because I've never played soccer in my life and really want to learn because I think it would be fun. I like the cats in the funny hats. Happy cats, angry cats.
0: The internet is for lazy people.
2: Grumpy cats, dumb cats, a lot of cats. Make it easier than going to the library and using the Dewey Decimal System. We no longer have to play that game with my father where we pretend to know the information. We can actually look it up and find things out. You're like, what was the name of that movie that Steve McQueen was in? We can just answer it instead of having an endless (laughs) debate about like, no, that wasn't it, it was this instead. So that's sort of nice.
1: Katie J.M. Baker is here with us. Katie is a reporter for the National Desk. Welcome, Katie. Hi. Katie, might I say, you have a beautiful name.
2: Well, you have a really nice name yourself. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, Very unusual.
1: Katie, I'm also particularly happy that you're here on the podcast today because you have one of my all-time favorite voices.
2: Really, that's so nice. You have a beautiful voice. usually people just think I sound like a teen. But you know, I kind of like that. It's got a very unique quality to it.
1: We want to talk about this article that you wrote about a, a murder, which is this sort of sad and grisly murder and about this internet sleuthing that's sort of gone on around it. Can you tell us a little bit about what the actual crime
2: was first? All right, so last December, a 19-year-old girl named Jessica Chambers from Cortland, Mississippi, which is this tiny town with only 512 people in it, left her house um, in the evening, left her mom's house to go get something at the gas station, and then a few hours later was found in her car, which was set on fire. And the fire department responded to a call about a car and they found her by the side of the road. And she just said, Eric did this to me, although that is not something that has been confirmed by law enforcement. But that's kind of because they they interviewed a bunch of Eric's and Derek's after that because she said something along the lines of, Eric did this to me, Eric did this to me. And then she stopped talking, and they flew her to the hospital in nearby Memphis. But she died there, and um, she had been burned alive, basically. The cause of her death was from the burning. So obviously this was a really you know mystifying, awful thing to happen in the town. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a normal small town. There's shootings, there's some gang activity, some drug activity. But teenagers don't just get mysteriously burnt alive. So it was it wasn't that her she got in an accident and
1: the car just caught on fire. Like they the law enforcement believes that someone did this. It was a criminal act.
2: Yes. And they've been able to narrow down everything Jessica was doing before she died except for the very last hour. So she left her mother's house. She went to this gas station, which is this tiny convenience store just a mile down the road. There's surveillance video of her getting gas, waving to somebody, giving someone a cigarette. And then the police have said that what happened after that is she stopped by somebody's house a few miles away and that she was at the scene of the crime, which is this tiny rural road two miles away from where she lives, a mile away from the gas station. And they don't know what she was doing there, but... The fire department got a call that she um, that there was a car on fire. She'd managed to escape the car and had burned like not over ninety percent of her body, and was standing there by the side of the road. And they, you know, the the volunteer fire department knew her because it's such a tiny town, but they didn't recognize her because she was, you know, she had been burned very badly. The the police
1: don't they don't know who did it yet, and they haven't
2: been able to figure it out. No, so they've interviewed over a hundred and thirty people. They say, it's which like- is. A fifth of the town, it's a fourth of the town. <laughs> um, there's yeah, a little over 500 people there, um, and the town is in a you know a larger county of 34,000 people, mm-hmm. but it's still very small. They've looked into every possible angle. Jessica was white, and she dated black guys, so they looked into the white supremacist angle, like other burnings in other places. They found nothing. They say they looked into her ex boyfriends. They have looked into her friends, her family members. And they have cleared a few people, but they, have, they haven't they have arrested any suspects. There are absolutely no suspects. So this case immediately got a lot of attention just because of the horrific way that she died. Um, and so the FBI is involved, the MBI. They say they've been working around the clock every day since then, but it's been over six months and they still haven't released any new information. They haven't arrested any suspects.
0: Katie, I, I think what was really fascinating about your piece is the the dimension that you cover where the internet kind of took over and started to fill in the blanks. And um, I wanted to get you to talk a little bit about the next wave of interest. So after the initial national push, it seems like a bunch of uh, armchair sleuths kind of filled in the blanks, right?
2: Yeah, so immediately after, a lot of conservative blogs got really interested in it because they thought that because she was white, and her boyfriends had been black, the mainstream media was covering it up, and you know, that it was actually like a race, you know. (laughs) So the conservative blogs became very invested for a while. Updates every day, you know, they they immediately found photos of Everybody from Jessica's ex-boyfriend, who is black, to the gas station attendant, whose father is from Yemen, and decided that he was from ISIS, and her boyfriend was in a gang. Her ex-boyfriend had been in a gang. Of course, he yeah. started getting death threats immediately. The gas station clerk had to move. Chuck Johnson, oh. my favorite. Oh yeah, um. Chuck. Can you describe
1: a little bit about who Chuck Johnson is? I don't. Ryan, can you describe?
0: Sure, I can try. Chuck this. Johnson is? he's a
1: singular character on the internet who really is just a plus.
0: If you're not familiar with Chuck Johnson, he is a um, a beard that exists on Twitter to bully people. No, uh, so Chuck Johnson is. He's like the guy that shows up at the very end of a news cycle and just stirs the pot to a point that is like unacceptable. And he's been banned from mm-hmm. Twitter multiple times. He's just kind of like a professional troll that calls, calls himself a journalist. And BuzzFeed's own Jessica Testa has kind of encountered him, and you should definitely read her story about it. A lot of other women have come in contact with him and had similar problems. So, yeah, not a great guy.
1: He's sort of a conservative blogger, but more notable for some of his unorthodox and somewhat unethical reporting techniques, like leaking the names of uh, sexual assault victims and stuff like that. And
2: in this case, Jessica Chambers' ex-boyfriend is named Brian Rudd, and um, Chuck Johnson released an exclusive interview with him, and he was actually defending him. He was saying that—have you ever heard of the conservative treehouse
1: no. No. They, they but that is that is my home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where I live when the, I go home at night. The conservative,
2: conservative Treehouse was very, very involved in this, very interested in the racial angle. They found photos of him on Facebook as a teenager what doing what they decided was flashing gang signs, um. and they were like, he's in a gang, the gang killed her, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. right. And so Chuck Johnson comes in, and he goes, it's all wrong, Brian Rudd isn't in a gang, it's actually a white supremacist gang that did this to Jessica, most likely. Chuck Johnson was actually, I think he just likes to be a contrarian. I uh, admire that he just trolls yeah. all angles, Yeah, you know? he was trolling <laughs> the conservative trolls, so that's impressive in its own way. But so, you know, in the beginning, the DA and the sheriff would give news. You know, they released a timeline of where she was, the night she died, um, and so on. And then in about March or April, they're just the information flow just stopped, And the conservative blog stopped. And when I heard about this story, I thought I was just going to go into it as, you know, this mystery in a small town. I like writing about teens. I like writing about crime. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, um, the first person I met was Lisa, Jessica's mother. And she was sitting in her living room in the dark with a computer which she told me had been given to her by somebody on the internet. Whoa. And she had received a phone that day that had also been given to her by somebody on the internet.
0: People were just sending her, like, stuff?
2: Well, so what I realized is Lisa spends all of her time both on in multiple Facebook groups and on some other internet forums. Like, dozens of people from all around the country who have never been to Cortland, Mississippi who are still so obsessed with Jessica's murder that they post every half an hour, every hour, in these groups talking about who killed her, the various theories, what the police missed, the corruption in the town. And the thing that makes this different from other kind of internet sleuth situations is that because the town is so small, they've been able to track down information for her mother, her ex-boyfriend, her friends, her family, and they'll talk back to them. And what I saw was Lisa sitting there just getting messages and notifications, and she would get these awful messages about, you know, well, is it true that Jessica's tongue was burnt off? My question was, why do you talk to these people? You know, this, this just seems like such an awful situation. And she said to me, you know, I don't hear any new information from the authorities. Jessica's friends don't stop by anymore. These people are all I have. And if I step away from the computer, you know, I see my daughter burning.
0: Oh, God, that's so awful. So because the case is halted and, like, life has moved on, like, she's working through, like, a very complex, like, grief scenario with, like, these people?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it gives her something to do, you know? She doesn't—she lived with her daughter. um, You know, she's grieving Jessica's brutal unsolved murder, and it takes up her time to involve herself— You know, in these groups, even though they are awful to Lisa, they accuse her of being a bad mother. They accuse her of lying and then she'll fight back. I mean, she got banned from a group and then was only let in after if she behaved on their terms. Like they're not nice to her. But then if anybody in the group says, you know, this is really disrespectful to the family, Lisa will say, no, it's fine. I want you to keep looking I don't please stay please stay involved because you know she doesn't really want them to leave her alone which is really sad
0: that is heartbreaking what are the
1: people who post in
2: this group like I interviewed a few of them Mm -hmm. they did not like the idea of having their names involved which I thought was pretty funny since they spend their time you know wildly speculating about you know who killed a teenager and posting their criminal records and addresses on the internet. There's one guy who's, um lives on a boat in Florida and just told me that he is bored on his boat. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to go
1: ahead and I, I feel like this is a little bit of a blanket statement, but never trust someone who lives on a boat.
2: Fair enough, definitely.
1: Okay. So this guy who lives on a boat and he's yeah, bored. He,
2: he's bored. And he, he has he,
1: no connection to the murder or the no. victims or anything like that. He he's, just never,
2: he's never been to Cortland. So there's this guy in Florida on the boat there's this woman who's who says she splits her time between Montreal and New York, and um, has a gluten-free like, raw food blog, and she posts like 15 times a day on Jessica Chambers Mystery, which is the big public Facebook group, uh-huh. which has about three thousand, a little over three thousand likes. There's also private groups that yeah. I was not allowed. Lisa showed me them, but I was not allowed to join because they didn't know who I was really. Mm-hmm. So there's this woman, Karen Dworkin. She and Lisa are constantly fighting. The other day, she said maybe Jessica had been pregnant. Like, she just she just kind of likes to stir shit. She's obsessed. And then there's these women that call themselves Lisa's confidants, and they're the ones... One sent her a computer, and one sent her a phone. And I, to me, it's like, you know, you could look at that as generous, or you could look at that as they need her to talk to them. Yeah. And they want her to respond, but... What, you know, what I think is really sad is what happens if they stop responding? Like, what's Lisa going to have to do with her time?
1: One of the things that I know that Ryan uh, was always really interested in was when the Boston bombing happened that sort of Reddit went with delusions thinking that it was going to solve the Boston bomber. And weirdly, they kind of at some points came close, like, which was just a very confusing like clusterfuck of what happens when you let a bunch of randos on the internet try to solve crimes. Do you think there's any hope for internet cr- crime solvers?
0: And do you think they'll get better? That was my that was the other thing that I was always fascinated with is that like if you think about anonymous 5 years ago and then you think about these other larger anonymous like missions or whatever they want to call them, they seem to get better, which I, I was always incredibly fascinated by and I, I wanted to know if you thought that like maybe these weirdos could actually solve this at some point?
2: I mean, I think in this case they're getting worse. (laughs) I think at first they were really good at screen capping and identifying who was close to her. But now the thing that I try and get at in my story is it's kind of devolved into just this total internet drama where people are just yelling at each other and accusing each other of you know, being in cahoots with different people. And what will happen is, you know, somebody will win one of the people in the town over by saying that they're on their side, and then they'll ask them a bunch of questions and then screen cap their comments and then use them kind of like a playing card to, like, win an argument with, like, some other stranger.
0: So what you're saying is that if you put enough monkeys in front of a typewriter, they will not solve a, like, terrible murder in a small town in Mississippi.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I've, it seems like to me, you know, they say we want justice for Jessica. That's the hashtag. Got to be a hashtag. Of course. <laughs> um, my view is that, you know, to them it's kind of like binge watching CSI. But, again, what makes it so creepy is that they get to inter With the Boston bombing, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the people they had labeled suspects weren't, like, writing back to them and answering their questions. Right. Yeah, no, no exactly. I mean, that's wildly different. So Teresa Brian Brian Red's mother she's the mother of Jessica's ex boyfriend Brian she'll go online and just be like you know she'll just reiterate that Brian lives in Iowa but then other there's this one woman who um is considered very suspicious on the internet and then when I spoke with her I realized that she she seemed suspicious because she hadn't commented on the on the Facebook and her view is why should I go on Facebook. To defend myself against people who don't know me and are, have no idea what they're talking about. Right, who are like
1: yeah. weirdo strangers from the internet. Yeah.
2: And I experienced this firsthand when I tried to get into the private Facebook group that the guy on the boat runs. <laughs> I, I introduced, I Facebook messaged him. I've talked to him on the phone okay. now, but I, this, I Facebook messaged him and I said, hey, I'm, I'm writing a story about Jessica Chambers and I guess what happened is he told Jessica's mom, I said I was a, a novelist writing a book. And then she was like, that's not true. And then he was like, why are you lying about being a book writer? And I was like, I'm not lying to you. And he's like, well, I just... And then someone who I had been talking to said, I'm hearing troubling things about you. Can you confirm who you are?
0: So not only are these people like weird voyeurs about crime, they're not even that good at like keeping details straight. <laughs> like they're not even good yeah. detectives.
2: It's very strange to be cross examined by a stranger about your identity and it makes you want to respond. And I had to kind of stop myself from engaging. You know, I had to be like, I don't, it doesn't really matter if this guy on a boat thinks that I'm lying about being a novelist.
1: No one knows still who did it. There's the Facebook group hasn't actually helps law enforcement or yeah. hasn't come any closer to solving the murders.
2: The DA and the sheriff say that they haven't gotten one helpful tip from social media. Everyone on the group says like, "Oh, the FBI is watching us for so." They think they're very helpful, you know. Uh-huh. The guy on the boat <laughs> said, "You know, I'm not sending my tips to the FBI directly because I know that they're reading it all, so I don't like I don't have to send it to them, you know." <laughs> yeah,
1: because the FBI has nothing yeah, better exactly. to do than yeah. read a Facebook group.
0: I'm sure the FBI has a much better Facebook group that they're part of. Like they've probably got like the really nice Facebook group.
1: Yeah, you yeah. know it's you know what it's called the Jason Derulo fan club for serious fans only. <laughs>
0: nice, nice. You can join that. Good callback. I had call to back. leave
1: that. It's an interesting thing that um, I would now like to <laughs> henceforth be known as Natopolis's Law, which is that I'm sure this like already exists that someone else has said this, but that, like any group of individuals. Put together on the internet, no matter how lofty their initial goals of communication in some sort of online medium, will eventually devolve into dumb shit arguing like flame wars, dumb internet forum talk.
2: It's like there are 8th graders on LiveJournal leaving a community. Not that I would ever know what that. (laughs) Like. <laughs> so the original public group where a lot of this goes down, and again, there's many groups, but the big kind of main one, it's called Jessica Chambers Mystery. <laughs> and then recently one was started called Jessica Chambers Mystery Truth.
0: Oh my God. And the goal
2: of this one is to wade through the false accusations and drama on Jessica Chambers Mystery. Oh my so God. Like, you know, they're not, yeah. It's
0: like a Pretty Little Liars subreddit. It's like, ex- Yeah. oh my God.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like some real life examples of how this has affected the people in the town. Mm-hmm. Um, the gas station attendant, who is the you know one of the last people known people to see Jessica alive, had to move. His dad told me that he almost had to close down his business because nobody would come to the store anymore because they were receiving so many death threats. And that was all from the internet group. You think internet commenters? Yeah, it not wasn't just from like on, people yeah. in the town. No, and like there were. So the town, the county is almost exactly half white and half black and everybody i talked to said that there were really no racial issue you know like people are racist in the way that everyone is racist but it's there people got along and then the rumors on the internet caused so many racial divides that there was a rumor that black people weren't allowed to come to jessica's wake and that was directly from the internet. Like, nobody in the mm-hmm. town would have thought that. Um, Jessica's dad had has kind of a long rap sheet. He was convicted of manufacturing crystal meth a decade mm-hmm. ago. And now he works for the sheriff's department. He he has, like, a cozy house, a little girl. Who, yeah. And these people on the internet, the one thing they are good at is, you know, finding this stuff. And so then, you know, not only is Ben Chambers, Jessica's father, dealing with... The death of his daughter, but he has to—he's supposed to defend himself against a decade-old drug charge that he, you know, has did his time for.
0: Do you think that this is going to be a a more common thing with unsolved cases, or do you think that it will be like seen as a fad in five years?
2: I don't know. I think I definitely see correlations with serial. All you really need, as R.C. Barnes told me, he's like, I just spend my time on my boat on the phone, like solving local corruption, and yeah. I think what will happen is that
1: someone will solve a a crime and that will encourage even more people. Like eventually enough of these have happened that someone's going to solve it. And then people are going to be like, wow, it's awesome when the Internet can solve these crimes and then people are going to do it more. The Internet means you can search public records, but it's been able to do that for a long time. But now it also means you can dig through someone's, you know, a small town's social media networks and figure out who's friends with who and there's so much of a online trail that all of us leave that it gives so much more information for people to look through now um that i think it's just going to only encourage people to do it more and more
2: what i'm curious about is this level of interaction like it's for me it's not new that people are interested in trying to solve crimes yeah i mean something that stuck out to me is lisa used to be really obsessed with criminal case do you know what that is what is that a tv show no it's a really popular facebook game it's like bigger than farm or whatever now. okay. And you work with other people to solve crimes. Oh, whoa. So it's like if
1: you were um, in Harry Potter and you are playing chess and then all of a sudden you have to be in the life-size chess board.
2: Yeah, it is like that. You know, she used to spend all her time playing criminal case and now she spends all her time helping other people solve her daughter's murder. (laughs)
1: Everyone, you should read Katie's article uh, on BuzzFeed.com. And it's a really fascinating story. It's a great read. And I hope everyone checks it out. Katie, thank you so much for coming and doing this in our little podcast hut. This has been great. Thank you guys so much. I want to give a special Follow Friday, except don't actually follow this person because they don't like exist on the internet, to my mom. Who wrote,
2: wrote in,
1: she, she's the number one Internet Explorer podcast fan. She listens to every episode. Much to my horror. <laughs> and she wrote in after uh, after our recent episode where uh, Jonah Peretti, the CEO of BuzzFeed, and John Herman from The right. All were on. And Jonah mentioned that he gets letters from, like, 60-year-old white dude, fuddy-duddies in the tech world, complaining to him about how BuzzFeed shouldn't have done a fuck, Mary kill because that's inappropriate language. Right. And my mother (laughs) sent me an email that was like, letter to Mr. Peretti. (laughs) Dear Mr. Peretti, (laughs) you know, I just want you to know that I approve of those old funny duddies saying fuck, Mary kill. I don't approve of all this foul language on our website. Wow. Which, you know, that's clearly, you know, dig at me because she she does not approve of me and the foul language. But you know what? She didn't mean that to actually go to Jonah, although I did forward it to him. And then she's like, oh, my God, I didn't want you to do that. <laughs> That's really – I was just kidding around. <laughs> Anyways, Follow Friday, my mom. I love you.
0: Oh, and b- and before we end, I want to give a super quick Follow Friday shout-out of my own to Twitter user Breaking BreakingBays, spelled B-A-E-S, who tweeted at me that I am the Kevin Federline of podcasts. <laughs> what do <you> think that <laughs> means? <laughs> they explained in a follow-up tweet – by that, I mean you're sort of talented in your own way, but you, you seem like you'd be a terrible father.
1: <laughs> See, that's funny because I actually think almost the exact opposite, which is that you are completely untalented, but I think you would make a great dad, you know? I think you're loving and, you know, you would have a, a lot of spark and energy for, for any children of yours. But yeah, you're a talentedless hack.
0: I want to thank Katie again, other Katie, not the Katie that I Ugh. have to spend every week with. I guess you're fine, but, like, that was a special Katie. That was nice Katie. You know, you never think about, like, what the internet is doing to some t- small town that doesn't have, like, safeguards in place to, like, deal with that sort of thing. And if you are in a small town that feels unfortunately similar to Cortland, please email us at internetexplorer at BuzzFeed.com. Tweet us, iExplore. We want to hear your story, because I have this weird, sad inkling that there are way more small towns out there where sad moms are fighting trolls, and there's no one there to help them, and we want to hear your story, so please.
1: And if you want to tell us the best way the, the internet has changed your life, you can also tweet at us, at iExplorer. Yes. You can also email us. We love to know. We like to know the good stuff, and the bad.
0: I also want to give shoutouts, as always... To our producer, Julia Furlan, my favorite M-Preg artist on DeviantArt. And then, of course, a shout out to my favorite minions, Jenna weiss Berman, Eleanor Kagan, and Paul Ruiz, who is turning mistakes into miracles by figuring out exactly how the Twin Towers fell <laughs> somewhere out there.
1: We don't have to thank Paul because he didn't engineer on this episode, actually. But, you know, we're going to do it anyways because he's part of the fam. Yeah. He's a
0: 9-11 truther and we respect his opinions. We love him. He's going to get you, Dick <laughs> Cheney. Watch out. He's gonna He's going to put those dots together and he's going to find you.
2: Do you feel like you cook more because of the internet? Yes, and also because of the Park Slope Food Co-op. Represent...